Hallelujah. We are here to be in His presence. And I pray that every one of us will receive something from His presence. It's not from the speaker, it's not from anyone who's here, but you will just fix your eyes to receive the living word, the Rema word from God. So today we will look at the journey of joy, how God wants our walk with Him is a walk of joy because the kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but the kingdom of God is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And if we want the kingdom of God to come in our families, you can just check these three things, checklist. Do we have righteousness in our family? Is there peace in my family? Is there joy in my family? If we still lack one of these things, then we need to pursue God. We need to ask and we need to align our ways with the ways of the kingdom. And for sure, it will come with this tree. The righteousness bring peace and it will bring also joy. Now we will look at this journey of joy. How God, you know, doesn't want our Christian walk to be like, oh, I'm afraid God is just so awesome and fierce and He is so full of wrath. I believe that's not what God wants us to walk in this journey. Yes, it's true that sometimes God was expressing His anger at the unrighteousness. Sometimes He poured His wrath on the wicked. But in general, God says, His anger lasts only a moment, but His loving kindness is forever. His loving kindness reaches up to the heaven and His faithfulness. So God wants us to have a perspective, a knowledge of who He really is. He is not an angry God. He is not someone who is like a policeman who is just ready to punish, you know, every time we do wrong. But He is a God who forgives every day. How many times He forgives us every day? And how many times He forgives a lot of His people in the world? Can you imagine all this world? And He has to be patient and forgiving God. He is a compassionate God. So we need to have this image of our God that He is a God who is so full of love, full of joy in His presence there is full of joy and I believe we as a church we need to work on this until the world will see how come these people is different 
They were mistreated. They went through bad things, but they still have joy. They still have love. So this is part of the monthly theme that we go through to be strong because the joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord, not the joy of the world, but the joy that comes from the Lord is your strength. You will be able to endure everything with the joy of the Lord. So the purpose for the message today is for all of us to have joy in all of our walking with God. From the moment we start to receive Jesus, that's the beginning of our walk with God. Many people experience such a joy when they accepted Jesus as Christ and Savior. The burden of sin, the burden of guilt were lifted off. And they felt such peace and joy. But it should not be only at the beginning. But in all of our walk with God, until we are ready to meet Him face to face, all our walk supposedly to be a journey of joy. So let's look at the first one. It's a joy of salvation. This is what people experience when they first got to know Jesus. They accepted Jesus. Jesus came into their heart, took away, forgives all their sin. Joy of being saved. So joy of salvation. But we have here an example in Psalm 51. This is written by David. David already knew the Lord. David walked with God. He was raised up to be a king. Even a very great king. So he has been walking with God. He has seen how God has established him as king. He has seen how God had delivered him many times from the attempts to kill him by his own father-in-law. So David has been walking with God. But one day, when he was already established as a king, he was just taking his leisure time at home. He did not go to war. He just tell his army to go to war. And when he was just leisurely at home, he saw a woman bathing. And from that moment, something started. The desire in his mind and heart. Finally, it was being birthed into adultery. Adultery needs to be covered up, then continue on to the murder of the husband of the woman. So David, who was 
already walked with God. He already knew the Lord. He was a leader. Now he fell into sin. This is not just only small sin, but it's a leader of the people of God. When a leader sin, you know, we can read in the Old Testament, the sacrifice that they have to bring is the same as when the whole nation sin. So that's the weightiness, the seriousness of the problem that happened in the life of David. Now this psalm is being written as an example for us. David, who lived in the Old Testament. You know, in the Old Testament, they had the Torah, the law. For the adulterer, the punishment is death. And for a murderer, the punishment also death. So under the Old Testament time, it would have been a death penalty. But David escaped. David experienced the law of grace. Why? Because David himself was gracious to his enemies. You know, with King Saul, how many times? Maybe about 21 times. He was trying to kill David. But one time, you know, when David got a chance to just kill him, David said, no, 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 I don't want to touch. David, having such a grace in his life to his enemies, even the commander of the army from the enemy, he accepted. So, to the one who showed kindness and mercy, he received mercy. And we read here in Psalm 51, after David committed adultery, then come the prophet of God. God sent Nathan, and Nathan came and told David, you are the man who did such a heinous sin. You know, for Nathan to tell a leader, the top man in the nation, you are the one who did horrible sin. Not Nathan risked his life. What if the king became angry and that happens? Few times, you know, when the king was being rebuked and the king got angry and they say, put him in jail. How dare you rebuking me? How dare you correcting me? But David, remember, he received mercy because David was merciful. When Nathan the prophet came to him and rebuked him for his sin, he said, Oh, yes, I am a sinner, Lord. I did something wrong against you, God. 
He accepted the rebuke. And he even have the conviction to turn from his ways. So now let's read some of these verses from Psalm 51, verse 6 and then 10 until 12. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and uphold me with a willing spirit. So if you read, later on you can read the full Psalm of 51. David repeatedly, he asked for God, Lord, wash me, cleanse me, purify me, forgive me, blot out my transgression, Lord. And if you think about it, you know, you cannot ever repay your sin. For the sin that we have done, we cannot repay and write it off. Never. In a million years, you cannot repay it. Why? Because we are sinful. How can somebody who is a debtor, who is involved in a debt, he can release himself, cannot, unless someone else who doesn't have a debt, help him. Here, I give you some to pay off your debt. So sin is like a debt. We were born in our sinful nature. So there is only one who can pay off our debt which is Jesus, the sinless man. He was a ransom for our sins. So, if you and I can never repay our sin, the only thing that can write off our sin is only God and Jesus. So David, in this psalm, that's exactly what he did. He was asking, begging mercy from the Lord. Oh Lord, forgive me. Against you I have sinned. Wash me. Because when God is being gracious, God is being compassionate, and only God can take away our sins. Only God can erase, can blot out our transgressions. So it depends on the compassion of God. Only God can wipe away sins. So when you and I asking for His mercy and compassion, Lord, forgive me. 
And God, who is all-knowing, He knows. Are you truly being repentant? Or is it only, Lord, please forgive me, and that's it. We're just being, Lord, I'm sorry, blah, 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 blah. Amen. God is going to search your heart and my heart. Are we being genuinely repentant of what we did? That is what is called true repentance. You know what David did after he was being rebuked? He did not eat or drink for seven days. He was crying before the Lord. He understood the depth of his sin. He understood what he did was, it was no play. This is serious, serious, serious. And God who's looking at our hearts, he really weighed our motives, the sincerity of our heart. Do we really want to go back? And David said, cast me not, in verse 11, cast me not away from your presence. You know, we here yet uh, last week, and I've been reading also, that God said, even though you are my people, even though you are my priest, if you do not keep my word, if you do not obey what I told you, I will not listen to you. You can be no longer my priest. Well, our position doesn't guarantee if we do not continue. All the promises of God, they have requirement. If, if you continue in my word, if you abide in my law, So David knew, that's why he cried out, Lord, cast me not away from your presence. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Later, you can open up in Hebrew 6. That's the same warning. People who have tasted the goodness of God, who have tasted the powers of the world to come, but then they step on the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. There will be no more chance. Wow, this is serious. So repentance needs genuineness of our heart. So David said in verse 6, Behold, you, Lord, you delight in truth in the inward being. God is not looking at how well we behave, how well we minister to him, but God delight in the truth in our heart. You know, our face can be very nice, but in our heart, we can hold grudges. 
we can hold bitterness, we can have hatred in our heart, but we conceal them all with our nice face. That's not what God wants. He wants truth in our inward being. And David is saying, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. This should be our prayer also. We, have, we are a spirit being. We have spirit, we have soul, which is our heart, mind, emotion, will, and we have our physical. And David is calling to the Lord, Lord, I have done wrong. Now my spirit, he felt that the Holy Spirit has been withdrawing from him because he was doing sin. So he's crying out, renew a right spirit within you. Only God can take away the guilt of sin. You cannot take away the guilt by entertainment. You cannot take it away by drugs. It will be still there. Maybe you can move to far away place, but the guilt only God can give a clean heart, a right spirit. So it starts, you know, when we sin, our spirit is being affected. Because when we sin, it means we open a doorway to the evil spirit. Either it can be unclean spirit, spirit of murder, spirit of death. All those things can come into our spirit. And those are only some of the examples that I mentioned to you. So we need to cry out to God, Lord, it's not only my physical body being nice and clean, but my spirit, Lord. Give me a right spirit. I don't want to have a perverse, you know, perverse spirit means something that is being tweaked. That is not upright. And you know, true repentance will be shown. True repentance will bear fruits. It's not only in our mouth. True repentance will show. That's why we all need to follow the example of David. Sometimes we just need to cry out before God. Lord, why I keep falling into this trap again? Why I keep doing things that I don't want to do? Lord, please help me. Oh Lord, please help my mind. Lord, please help my mouth. Why I cannot control my mouth? So we need to really crying out to God. Because only God can give a right spirit. Only God can change our heart with a clean heart. That's the importance of communion also. When we take the communion, we take it with faith, believing that God, the blood of Jesus, we receive in our lives to wash our sins. And when we do this, 
like in verse 12, David said, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. You know, even David, the man who loved God so much, the man who really spent time in worship, he realized without God helping him with a willing spirit, there's no way. So we really need to walk in the grace of God. It's not because I'm good, Lord. It's not because I spend every day in prayer, in the Word. It's not me. It's not us. The moment we rely on us, that moment God was like, go on. Because God is opposed to the proud. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Now, today, do you still have the joy that you are being in the Lord? Do you still have the joy that God forgives your sin? And I believe in eternity, this will be the one thing that we will be thankful for eternity. Because we can go into heaven just because of this. Because God forgives our sin. The moment we will remember forever is the moment when God is wiping off our sins. God knows your past. He is not in panic over your sins, over your past, but is waiting for us to come to Him for His joy of salvation. And the second one is not only joy because of being saved, but this joy of deep love. You know, when we talk about joy, it's not only, oh yes, you smile superficial on the face only. But there is something that goes deeper than that. It comes from the inside. So let's read Galatians 5, 22 until 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit or in the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit or in the Spirit. So when we see here, the fruit of the Spirit is fruit, not fruits. The Spirit will produce fruit. This one fruit will have all the facets of all these things that the Holy Spirit will produce in our lives. But you see here, number one, the number one that is being mentioned, the fruit of the Spirit is love. The moment we accepted Jesus is not 
Babel said, it's not you that love God first, but God loved us first. We receive His love. That's why we can give love. The Holy Spirit is the one that is being used to pour the love of God in our lives. Romans 5, verse 5. Romans 5, 5. The Holy Spirit is the channel through which the love of God is being poured out into our lives. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. Out of this love, then you can have joy. You know, the joy of someone who is being loved unconditionally, who is being loved extravagantly. Isn't that how God loves us? He did not only say, I love you, but He showed, He proved His love. It's proven by the last drop of His blood. Nobody ever died for me. And I believe nobody ever died maybe for most of us. But Jesus, God, because of the great love, because God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. When we get to know God, the number one fruit we have in our lives, you have that unconditional love. You are being accepted just as you are. If you want to come to Him with a repentant heart, He will accept you. Just like that prodigal son who has been, you know, day in, day out with the pigs. And one day he said, I'm coming back to my dad. You know, tending pigs is very smelly. <laughs> they really need to clean their, you know, really shower well to wash off the smell. But this prodigal son, when he came the father is looking from far away. He saw him coming. The father was like, the father was running toward the son and hugged him. That's the unconditional love of God. And the father said, come on, give him the best rope. Rope is a picture of authority. You have the rope. What robe you are wearing is a picture of position and authority. And then the father only, come on, bring him the ring. The ring also is an authority. God's unconditional love will restore your place in the family of God. Doesn't matter. 
the Bible says, even though your father and your mother forsake you, I will receive you. We need to find, we need to accept this deep love. When you accept this love, then the next fruit, you will have joy. You can say, it doesn't matter. All people, maybe they don't accept me. Maybe people, lots of them hate you. But I am accepted by my Father in heaven. And that will bring joy. And your Father is the ruler of the earth, the creator of the earth. If God is for you, who can be against you? That's the joy that comes from being loved deeply by God. Maybe I can picture it one more. It's a picture of husband and wife. That's God created family so we can understand how we can be united with God. You know, when a husband really loved the wife, unconditionally maybe at the beginning the wife is trying to control her husband trying to oh no I have my own will that's not that's your idea but but when the husband showing unconditional love to the wife I believe and this is I've seen also when the wife understood and knew that the husband accepted her unconditionally, loved her unconditionally, then the wife start to submit to the husband. So husbands, if you want good relationship, you want a good submission, it's not coming from being authoritative, you know, authoritarian. You do this. If not, it instead, it doesn't come from a place of harshness, but it comes from a place of serving in love. And you will see how the wife will honor, will submit to the husband. God doesn't ask complicated things. He is the creator. He knew, husband, love your wives. Wives, honor your husband. That's it. Very simple. So we have this joy from deep love, as also in John 15, verse 9 until 11. Just John 15, verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy, Jesus' joy, may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So, this joy is not just superficial joy, but Jesus is telling 
is not a joy that you get from anywhere, but Jesus' joy will be in you. This is no other man's joy, but this is the joy of God Himself. He will put His joy in us. So this is something that we cannot explain because it's His joy is being given to you. And that makes your joy to be full. And this joy comes from the love. Jesus said, the Father loved me from eternity. He has loved me from no beginning of time. Forever and ever, the Father loved the Son so much that it was said Jesus was in the bosom of the Father. That's how He loved Him. That's the only Son. He loved Him so much. But Jesus said, just like the Father loved me, I have loved you. I know you were broken. I know you were shattered in sin, maybe. But we need to hear. We need to receive the Word of God. When God say, I love you. Sometimes we feel unworthy. But Jesus said, I love you. Just as big as the love of the Father to me. That's how great my love for you. And you need to accept it. Many people, they just hear, but they never truly believe. I'm too bad for His love. How can God accept me? I've done so many bad things. I pray that you will receive His word. You will open up your heart for His great love. And when you receive that, the joy comes from that deep love. And the third one. So, is beginning with the joy of salvation and we abide in the love of God, continuing in the love of God that brings us joy, but until the end of our walk with God, God is preserving, God is giving us a really great joy. First Peter 1, 8 and 9, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now, if you read before verse 8, it was also talking about the inheritance. God is preparing for us inheritance that is undefiled, that is cannot be, you know, uh, cannot be broken. It does is not going to be stained by anything, but is being reserved. How if you know you are being chosen to receive, let's say, an estate 
in the best location in England. How do you feel? Wow, lucky to get an estate. But God is saying, I'm giving you inheritance, eternal, forever. And here, this is the joy of the glorious end. Even though we don't, have not seen Him, we love Him. We believe Him and we rejoice with joy. The word rejoice here is leaping. Yes! When was the last time when you were joyful? Until you were jumping up and down? Can you remember? When was the last time? We see that a lot with little kids. That's why God say, if you want to go into the kingdom of heaven, you have to become like little kids. God say, you will rejoice with joy. You will leap. Rejoice just so great that you will just jumping up and down. Yes. With joy that is inexpressible. So the joy that God is talking is not just you can smile, maybe you can, you know, ha 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 he, he but this is more than that. It's something that is so filling in your life that you are lost for words to express. How to express this great thing because it was also glorious. And that's what God is providing for you and me in the end of our walk with God. The moment we, we got there, we will see, oh my time in the earth, all my suffering, all my pain is not even comparable to what the joy God is reserving for you in heaven. So now, maybe you are in a great suffering. Now, maybe you are in pain in this world. God say, rejoice. Rejoice because you have the joy that is reserved for you. You have God's joy in you. You can still, you know, have this smile from inside, even though the circumstances was bad. And that will happen by the joy of the Lord. Amen. Let me ask for the musicians to come forward and let us just prepare our hearts. Let's all stand up together. God has given us His joy. He has given us His name. His name is being put in our lives. We are His. And in the name of Jesus, that's a wonderful name, beautiful name, full of joy.